At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella Lombikiri, the World Messenger, and I'm inviting you for another epic Legacy Leaders show. We're having a very special guest that is joining us here from Chicago, Illinois, but actually he is originally from India and has amazing transformational work that I think will impact and transform many of our viewers and listeners and people who will take action because right now we're looking how we can enhance health, how we can look at things uh, from different perspective. He's subject matter expert in stress and burnout. He's a physician. Talk about physicians that are having burnout and others in other industries, first line workers. Uh, and someone that has amazing spiritual and medical foundation in everything he does. And he's also a great coach that is helping people with burnout as well. So without further ado, I will let me introduce you to Dr. Rao Colosu. Uh, Dr. Rao, how are you? I'm fine, Isabella. How are you? I'm nice doing to be here. Fantastic. I'm so glad you could find in your busy schedule time to be with us. I know you've, you've been very active in so many different platforms with your personal practice and everything you do. Um, I'm, I guess for, if you're not active in Clubhouse, you're missing out. Dr. Rao is pretty much everywhere. We keep bumping into each other's in so many different rooms as well. Uh, in my room on the on the leadership, leadership roundtables where he always contributes some great value. So Dr. Rao, thank you for doing that and being so uh, um, gracious to give us so much great insights, particularly in times of transformation and turmoil and conflicts and burnouts and change. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. So do you mind sharing with us just a little bit, you're originally from India, what part of India do you grow up and what inspired you and transpired to come to us? I was in uh, southern part of India, a state called Andhra Pradesh, and Guntur uh, city. That is very well known because a lot of my colleagues are here. We are preparing doctors there and then we're coming here and settling down, you know. Um, I came very early in 1980 and then I pursued a residency here and then I established a practice and settled down here. I was here uh, at late part of 1981. Mm. And, and did you start your medical medical practice and studies back in India or when you came to the United States? I came right after graduation. I graduated in March, 1980, and I came here in 1981. And then I started my residency in 1982 or 83. And then five years I practiced after that. Then I went to New York to do internal medicine. And then I completed there and came back again near Chicago Actually, we are in Iowa, the border on the Illinois and Iowa, and I have been here since 1995, you know, and uh, established a practice and did everything from here. But I also traveled all over the country to different hospitals as a hospitalist because I gained some EMR skills and EMR uh, um, really went into EMR pretty in depth. I tried to implement the EMR revolution in my practice, in my hospital, and all over the country. I was following in a big way that one. So 
I want to use the big data to shape our future medical care too. So I'm involved that way also. Wow, what a transformative approach. Not only you involved as a, as a physician is in practicing that, but also leveraging utilizing data. And on top of it, also specializing in very narrow niche, which is around physical and mental and emotional and spiritual burnout uh, and what that does to human body and how that demonstrates and exhibits specifically during now the COVID time that is extremely important beyond obviously the first line workers in healthcare space, but also in other industries and I have a broader audience and broader populace. So kudos. So do you mind sharing a little bit about what do you, how was this transformation done? Because it's, it's such a huge difference to cultures. And we mm -hmm. want also from the legacy perspective and from leadership perspective, contrast the shifts and changes you had to undergo to navigate uh, your new working environment, a new culture. And, and what, what was really uh, amazing or what was something that puzzled you that you found it very interesting and intriguing are quite different than in India and the United States. I did not realize when I was in India that it is heartfulness there. Everywhere you go, you are accepted, you are kind of pampered, loved, you know. So I grew in that kind of atmosphere. And I also ended up medical school right in my district where we own house and all the facilities are there. So I didn't have to have any tuition fee. I didn't have to have any thing that I need to earn or anything. I just studied. That's why I was a doctor by age of 23, because we just continue to study and then finish it off. And practically no world experience, no travel really. Maybe travel to my sisters and brothers in the other parts of India, but not outside India. Suddenly I came here, it's like a zerping from a culture to another culture. But um, I was good at uh, taking care of my patients, and but I really wanted to serve them because Gandhi exposure and all that, he said, you serve the people, you are serving the God. So I came with that principle. So I went blended into patient care right away and the seniors and uh, department people, they, were, they loved it and they made me chief resident. And then our real chief died because of a heart attack. So another doctor who is practicing outside, he comes part-time he had to take over our um, department and he thrust me in the front and he taught me a lot of things. Also. So it was a real boon for me to learn hospital processes, budget processes. At the same time, uh, JCH came and I followed them for 15 days. So I understood what is quality measures and all that. So that kind of administrative experience was invaluable for me later on to understand and participate in the hospital running and all that, you know? So I was not like a grumbling doctor because I knew what was the policy behind it. Why they're asking us to do something. Yeah. And then I always kept up the uh, current affairs continuously and learned the health policy as it is changing. I seen all stages from 1983 to now, you know? So- Wow. So it is a good uh, input that I give to my physician friends because they have a lot of stress from um, tackling the administration because they're kind of uh, enemies fighting war sometimes. And so they, yeah. come to me, yeah. they come to me and then I tell them, there is a reason why the administration behaving like that. These are the pressures that they have. If you understand the policy, what is coming on there, then it is much easier, you know? But at the same time, I take the physician side and look at why administration or the insurance companies and all those people are giving us trouble. 
even the EMR also has become a big problem for us. So I understand those things so I can really relate to the physicians very well. But the most important thing I'm, I'm bringing in here is I went into ancient wisdom. That is the one that changed my perspective quite a bit okay? from being narrow to a particular profession, particular town, particular country. I expanded into real world citizen. I love India, I love US, but I'm not associated with them. I am a global citizen. This has come to me in 1985, this perspective, because I was watching uh, Jay Krishnamurti on a tape. He said, why do you have these geographical borders? Why do you celebrate these flags and divide yourselves? Why are you fighting so many wars, putting all the money? That stuck with me and I grew that way. Then there was a prayer in yoga. It says, Vasudeva Kuttumbakam. That means the entire family of humanity, living beings, including animals and the plants, we are all in one family. So we start in the morning with that every day, then you know we are all one. And then exposure of uh, Vedanta and yoga system and some other systems, what they tell you is, hey, you are not this body of mind. You are that core consciousness within, and that is in everybody else. So we are all united at that level. That the is Indian fantastic. greeting, Namaste, you remember? That Namaste says, I am having the divinity in me and I see the divinity in the other person. I'm going to greet that other person with this common ground. I may be different physically. I may be different you know, in language. I may be different in socioeconomic status, but the person before me, even the patient, every day I try to remember that when I go in there. That is great and thank you. You shared a lot of there and then if you don't mind, I'm just gonna reflect on some things you already shared so that people that are listening and watching and have opportunity to not to miss on some of these highlights. Yeah. Obviously, virtually huge differences and desire, but also desire and willingness to navigate the culture so you can understand, so you can partake in that. And even though there are differences and we don't agree always with everything else, we do the best we can. And it's so beautiful that you were able to depict that and share with others, but I love what you mentioned earlier how much also your foundation was coming from heart centered and obviously that's what you selected to be physician which is beautiful and uh we need more heart center physicians even today because when we i know i keep hearing this like it's harder just it's to be emotionally involved uh coming from a heart because we see so much pain and physicians usually tend to be just very logical not unkind but not as as engaged as we've seen some that really truly lead from the heart and they're right there with the patient to put them at ease and put them at a comfort level and and help them out um uh, wanted just to reflect that I also had a foundation on Gandhi's principles and early on and I'm so glad you mentioned that and how important it is to use that in your profession. But so now when you mentioned the uh, last part of, of, of your share, uh, obviously is uh, being a global citizen and coming from very global scale. I love uh, that you bring in this connection, specifically the time that we live in the world where there's so much disconnect and so much conflict and loss for identity and loss of countries or wars or different environments. But even, even in the United States, as we experience right now, a lot of turmoil. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah, I. it pains me to see the planet is going down 
and we are contributing to that. Especially when I went and studied how the ancient cultures, not just in India, but in America, in Egypt, in China, and everywhere, if you look at it, they are more eco-friendly and they contributed to the nurturance of the regeneration of the planet. Whereas we kind of took a turn consuming the resources of the earth, not really rejuvenating them, you know, as if there is no tomorrow. Virus, for example, it has come all over because we became a global village and we are traveling a lot. And then we are um, really too many people. It's like a globe, so many flies going around that planes are going like that. That's why I also follow the antibiotic resistance Isabella from 1983 or so. It was very important at the time. And then as I follow that, what happened was all these viruses kind of our own problem. They used yeah. to be identified and kept to that village and they did not come out. But now we come out, we travel all over. That's a good thing. We are mixing with each other, but then also we have a possibility of carrying things that were not really that possible before and they are coming in. And then they canceled this uh, uh, entity they established uh, before, Obama, other people also used it. They wanted to isolate these viruses when they arise, they send epidemiologists and then get the report quickly. I think the administration, previous administration canceled that. Mm -hmm. Then we got all the virus. Also other countries where it originated from, they were trying to protect the commerce rather than the people. And they were not really feeling brotherly. They were feeling like, let us protect our thing. You know, that kind of division, instead of being, we are all in this together, has made us go all over, you know? This spirit that we are all one, there are no others, would really unite us here. Even the diversification and all that will happen here because we think that is somebody else and we have to fight against them. Then we are having this kind of policy, this kind of behavior. But I have a lot of people who are um, all over the world I don't have any difference. I love Clubhouse mainly because of that. I'm meeting people from all over the world with no reservation. I don't have to assess or I don't have that spirit of uh, uh, separating anybody. When a reunion like that, how many things are coming out? Isn't it true that Clubhouse is doing wonderful things with that regard? Yes, it is. And it's so beautiful that we're having now the platform where we can actually be in different rooms and based on topic of interest, contribute, but also listen and exchange. And I feel like it's bringing world together because we get a pulse what's going on in other parts of the world, right? People are joining, uh, it's 24 seven going on, always are some really very meaningful, inspiring conversations. But we hear firsthand instead of just what we hear on the news or how it's filtered through the news lens or through politics or social economics or whatever, we hear from people from all over, including uh, remote areas. I, I was really impressed to hear like how people are using like one iPhone for a whole village in Africa. I was shocked. Like there was a group of women that the guy allowed to actually speak up on one of the topics uh, of issues around the woman. And it was just so beautiful. The brother allowed his sisters and her friends to use his iPhone, his iPhone, because not everybody can afford iPhone there, right? And then that how makes my day. That makes 
my days of your life. Fantastic, you know. But but the beauty is again, where is the will? There is the way, right? And when you were talking yeah. about earlier, doctors without border, I remember when I was running nonprofit organization rehabilitating genocide, torture, war trauma, human trafficking, rape victims from all over the world. One thing Dr. Rao was so shocking that I, I was actually have people close to 125 countries, maybe a little bit over. Uh, and when you think about it right now, we have 240, less than 240 countries in the world. That mm -hmm. tells me that more than a half of the world or about half of the world was affected with the most worse possible atrocities that we inflicted on each other and then we're not talking about what we what we create uh, and what has happened with the environment that is also fortunately extremely sad and that are natural disaster attributed what we're talking about the ones that are created from each other because of whatever political social economic reason is there and that we're seeing explosion and exodus of that exactly. on top of everything else that it's going on yet exactly. we don't have solutions or we are not focusing on how to prevent it from preventative health to preventative working environment to preventative countries right and the world itself so i feel like we are uh, so many ways behind it. So do you mind sharing? How do you, because growing up in Europe, I'm all about preventative health, right? That's what I used to, but that's why I was custom. So to me, that was the biggest shock to see how reactive and crisis driven this environment is versus how I was expecting. And that is going to be based on what I'm accustomed. Yeah. So I feel I, like we're, we're reacting to too many things. So please share. I was exposed to wellness. What does wellness mean right in the beginning? Okay. It's not just uh, having some uh, lack of disease, but it is being healthy within that's a easiness in the body, easiness in the mind, and also conditional, unconditional love in the heart. So the way I define healthy is if you have vitality in your physical body, a lot of energy, a lot of gut go strength and all that, and also clarity and awareness in the mind mm. and unconditional love in the heart. Mm. As a whole, joyful human being, happy to be human, happy to relate to other humans, having those loving relationships, growing from that nurturance, giving nurturance, taking nurturance and all that. I was a big, big um, proponent of that from the beginning. Then when I established my practice in 1995, I said, I'm going to go for the disease origins, not just the disease process. As a physician, as a resident, they trained me to treat the disease process as though everything else is not my business. Jay Krishnamurti brought this on. Why are you saying only that? Are you free of the limitations that you have in your mind and heart? Why are you anxious? Why are you so depressed? Why are you so uh, hateful or angry with people or policies, whatever? Is that the, uh, really a wellness? Then I went into ancient wisdom and found out they had happiness within and discovered that abundance first and then walked life with strides and they created marvelous things. I wanted to find out what was that, why it is that. Then I went and found out the turned inward, used minimal things from outside because what they discovered was a, was a real inner riches that doesn't match anything outside. Once you have that, it's like this. 
you have water around, you don't have to go to the well to get the water. Yes. If you are joyful within and you come out of the joy, then it will be all joyful, whatever you do. I go to different meetings now. I communicate what I saw, the truth, what I experienced it. It's not like a lesson. It's what I experienced. That's why I did not write it because I felt the experiential thing is fruition coming. In a way, these three weeks in clubhouse crystallized my thinking, put it all together. Basically what it is, is we have happiness within, not outward. In the journey of the happiness we have, but once I have the things, whatever we have, happiness is gone. Yes, because we're looking for happiness in the wrong ways and the wrong way uh, and, and, and wrong, with the wrong process and expectations. Because in the typical investor in parts of the world, specifically North America and United States, obviously more than Canada, I see um, happiness always being found in physical actual items Ooh. or experiences that don't have nothing to do with ourselves internally. And as you know, those things cannot last. And as a result, people seek more and more and they're more frustrated, more unhappy. And there was also a lot of misrepresentation that I need to be happy because of things you're gonna do for me, that my happiness depends on what you do or not to do for me. And uh, I'm glad the breakthrough happened in a lot of literature that helped people to really understand because um, when we do not know root the problem, we don't know then how to solve it. We just mask it. We could depend it on, and and we're constantly codependent. And then it's it's like a drug in a way, right? It's it's very toxic and very negative. But what I'm also seeing is um, when we're not self-aware of, because a lot of times it's very hard. Even when I work with my executors, when I work with my team, uh, people are having a hard time doing self-assessment and look at themselves exactly, because exactly. they're afraid what they're going to find. So it's so easier to look at outside of ourselves for whatever it is, for the fix, for experience, for whatever might be the case. And, and as a result, it's so easy to creep in the burnout. It's so easy to creep in exhaustion because we're not in touch what we eat and how we eat and how much we sleep and what activities we do, what is good for us, right? What might be good for you might not be for me and vice versa. Perfect. But reality is more we discover of ourselves, the healthier human all around will be, not just the physically. So do you exactly. mind hearing a little bit, how do you see now burnout happening that people are not even aware of and, 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 what, the, and what, what do you see people experiencing and how they can actually take some actionable items from you to yeah. really get and shift that around. Because as a result, people are short tempered. I, I see so many uh, bullies. I see so many explo explosive reactions from adults. And it's like, wow, where's the self-regulation here? And, and you, you, which is very shocking to me. So do you mind please sharing a little bit about that? Because I think audience would love to learn. Yeah. The Human being has two words, right? Human and the being. The human is from the humor, which is the body and also the mind. But the being is the one which is really human being, you know? Otherwise we are like any other animal, you know? We need sustenance. We need some economic security, some, you know, physical security and all that. But beyond that, if it goes so many ways by, you know, um, people make people greedy, education, family upbringing, everything breeds all that. Then they go the wrong way. See, I found the ancient system where they said, 
dharma, artha, kama, moksha. That is, kama is pleasure seeking in whatever it is, okay? And normal for the people to have those pleasures. But if they go only that and they think happiness in there, they are disillusioned. You can see the Hollywood, what is happening, or in the people's lives also. Too much TV doesn't make us happy, you know? It may be okay for that movie, but if you do 10 movies, you're gone. Then they said, Ardha. That means you have to earn some money, but do it in Dharma. That means righteous way. What is legal? What is moral? What is equitable? What is not stealing from somebody? That is the one. So you live with desires that are normal. You earn money without any hanky-panky. And then you go to the last phase where you are getting old, moksha. That is the liberation from your own mind and establish yourself in that real consciousness, real awareness, real coreness. Once you are there, then you advise the young people coming up, the people who are making money. So the whole life was balanced. Now only pleasure even the end of the stage. So once we realize that, we'll place things in their proper perspective. And now we turn for our own mental peace and happiness with contemplation, with meditation, with understanding what are these forces are acting on us, like a, a news and media, or electronics, and they have their place. I used my uh, uh, devices too, but we should not make them our bosses. So understanding where everything fits, and then what I do with the physicians is, okay, you have this feeling, you have this thought that I'm not able to do this job. And that gets worse and worse and worse every day because so many things are coming on them. They're encroached by so many stimuli. What, I, what they have to do is thought and mind are my tools. I am not just the thought. Use the thought effectively, but don't make it your enemy. So I went into that and found out there's nothing like a mind, only thoughts. Once you concentrate, come to one thought and able to really slow them down, go beyond it, it will be under your control. This is for my informational overload page. Uh, I did a thesis for my MBI uh, on informational overload. This is really true. Doctors are overwhelmed by informational overload at the time. So I had to examine that. I was benefited personally because I knew how to stop the thought when I don't, don't want it and get into this when I want it. It's not like overwhelming me. See, I'm participating in so many clubhouses, right? Every time I come, I forget about the next time. That is the key. How to manage your body, your thoughts, your feelings, because you are in charge of them. They are not you. The ego is your slave, not your master. It's a Good slave, but poor master. We have to have the ego, but not out of control, like taking care of ourselves. Suppose they say, oh, thank you for uh, uh, giving your vulnerabilities. What does it mean? The vulnerability came out because ego took a backseat. Then we like them. Hey, you, sh you showed your vulnerable. You are not pretending I don't have it and your ego is telling you like that. Once they put the ego aside and show us the vulnerability, we like it. We respond like humans. We respond with support, with love and all that. 
So physicians are really brought up to raise their ego. And then when they go to the hospital, now they made them more like a help. You're one of the crowd. So their egos get really hurt and they really suffer internally. So they came there to serve the patient, they forget about it and they think they're so big and suddenly system says, no, you're part of the uh, multidisciplinary team. You have to work with everybody. That is the change, cultural change physicians are not able to have. And mm -hmm. the same thing with general society too. That if is I a go, good point. That is a very, yeah. very good point that we have to, no matter which profession we're in, leave our ego aside and then treat people as an equal and have the genuine interest for their well-being. Because every time when we have this power dynamics, we know what happens. Power dynamics get out of hand and then others are like, a, you know, feeding off of it while the other one's starving. And as a result, we're having people that are not doing very well mentally, emotionally, that wanted to quit and that are actually uh, going through major burnout because of the pressure, because it's hard to constantly be, you know, in a very toxic, negative environment, isn't it? Yes, very much so. There is a technique in yoga land. What it is, is every time you have a negative thought, immediately replaces a positive one. Mm. That's the uh, if you do that, then you don't grow the negative to go deeper and deeper. But if you um, you go to sleep with it, you raise up with it, then what happens? For example, I don't go to sleep with all the things that accumulate to the day. I do what's called cleaning the mirror of the mind by going through all the events of the day and resolving them. Suppose I have to do something tomorrow. Why do you have to sleep on it? I write it on the paper. This is my list of things I have to do and forget about it for the night. So that's the cleaning of the mirror. That's something I teach people. They say it is hard to do, but they, have, they attempt to do it. They will be able to do it. So before bed, um, Isabella, just uh, close your eyes for five minutes. Just go through all the things happened through the day. And then suppose somebody said something to you, uh, somebody had an argument with you, don't carry the remnant of the thoughts with, uh, to the sleep. Then when you get up, you start them again, they become very strong. Mm, so true. If we're not aware of what will affect us and not knowing ways to detach from it, yeah. that is create the pain that is creating sleepless nights or shortcomings or aggression or whatever anger or sadness or depression towards ourselves towards the other people um, and we, we we carry that from day to day it's like that extra weight on your back that you don't even know what holds you not only back but also what really takes you down even more so uh, and that's that level of burnout you're talking about. Right now we're having burnout that is caused by so many factors, right? Because so many things are uprooted and disrupted. We have a disruption on all levels with our work environments, with our living environments, with people in our personal right. life, people in our professional life. So everything is coughing at hand and it's a so much uh, conflict and so much um, magnitude of, of the pain and suffering around us. So it's kind of hard to not to to say, how do I protect myself? Specifically for us that are very empathetic, heart-centered, that we're also really understanding and absorbing and seeing all of that and very in tune what's going on. It's hard sometimes just to ignore, right? Yes. More than ever, it's needed that self-care. So, so what I'm hearing you suggesting is 
closing your eyes for five minutes, reflecting on the day, negativity to let it out, replace it with positive framework so that doesn't go and take you to the sleep and does not come back next day. And then actions, what do we need to do? What do we need to do to implement and move things forward? Um, but do you mind so sharing, you, you, you use yoga, you're using a lot of yoga. So do you mind sharing a little bit, you said you, with the breath work and all of that. So do you yeah. mind sharing some really simplistic yeah. stuff, please? Yeah. I integrate yoga into our daily life. You can do special session if you are interested, I will teach you advanced yoga with meaning and all that, you know? Breathing also, but you can do head to toe yoga in five minutes. So I give the routine to the physician like this. For example, somebody like me, what do we do? I get up in the morning and then do a few stretches, then go and take shower. In the shower also, I want to be in the present. Even before I raise up the, from the bed, I first wake up, then I want to be in the silence for one minute and then communicate with the nature a little bit. Then stretch and go to the bathroom and then be in the present. Then when I'm driving to the hospital, I may do some breathing and stretches in the car if I don't have that much time. Sometimes we don't have the time, you have to go to the hospital. But when I'm going, instead of hurrying, I get myself down to calmness and easiness by taking deep breaths while sitting in there. Simple, every time stop, I stop, I take three drippers. I kind of clone them. Driving, traffic stop come, I, I have to stop there. When I'm there, I just take deep breaths. Sitting there with the spine erect, and you take deep breaths from with the mouth closed, take all the way, three breaths. And that is integrated in there, right? Then I go to the hospital, I try to park the car away from the main entrance as much as possible if there's no snow, no ice, nothing like that. Then I walk with a long stretch, long stride. Mm. That also relaxes the mind. You see, most of the time we get a relaxation after walking and also exercise there. Then I, I don't take the elevator, I take the stairs, but two steps at a time, integrated. I'm going to the same place, but it is there. Then I'm walking the long car dust, which we walk in the hospital. I try to walk in the meditation. Mm. This, is, this so is how we integrate everything. Simple yet very powerful. And then for people that are not working in offices, they're working from home, yeah. similar things, stepping away from, from the desk, stepping away from the house or apartment, wherever you might be residing and working from, yeah. going outside, coming back in. Yeah, office-based yoga. Simple, I devised this for the people of the secretaries, all the way sitting down. We also at least go to the patient room, we walk a lot. But some of them, they sit there all day. So I tell them, okay, some stretches I showed them, they will do it automatically. And every one hour, one minute break with deep breathing. Mm. This is a must for all the physicians. Don't and I would say it's a must-have for others, specifically for educators, firefighters, all uh, all everybody in all those frontline, frontline specifically, but also everybody in regular life. This is so important, even for me, I'm just listening to you. It's like, how many days I, because I'm busy or I'm in solitude or whatever. I will devise, I will devise a program in your routine okay. that involves breathing, involves uh -huh. meditation, 
involves stretches. Mm. What it is is you need to have a touch with your own body. This is called swadhyaya. Swadhyaya means self-study of the body. You figure out where the tensions, where the weaknesses, where the real pains and all that, then you devise a program that works for you. Lots of time it is a, sitting is new smoking, we say, right? Sitting has a lot of problems. They yeah. accentuate, you know, but people are not aware because they are goal oriented. They want to deliver this. But you know what? I do 12, 30 patients in a day. At the end of the day, I'll be smiling and happy. These people don't understand what's going on with you guys. You know, you're working so many patients. How can you be so joyful? Because the interactions are very personal. I get a lot out of the patient. Yes. Appreciation, you know, kindness, love. I mean, even in the clubhouse, I'm getting a lot of compliments wherever I go. That's Mainly because. And the things that you can even do in with the groups, like yeah, in the clubhouse to say, yeah. let's have a half hour of yes. burnout and meditation and exactly. let me walk you through the certain exercises. Because it is also a reminder, because you're right, specifically in this culture, capitalistic system and, exactly. and pressure and everything so speeding up, we feel like if we're not on all of these tasks. Uh, we're not going to be compliant or my boss may be not like me, whatever might be scenario, we're going to get in trouble. And what we turn into is workaholic culture with cell phones and computers 24-7 on, never shutting up, never shutting down, and never that really fully going inward and stepping away from that. I was shocked. I can't even tell you when I looked at my uh, iPhone usage a summary. I used to be shocked when I had a, like seven hours a day. Not necessarily yeah. that I use it just, you know, but I will use it for alarm. I will use it to listen to different things. It's, 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 it was really like as a working tool or something that was easier to find on iPhone versus on the, on the desktop. But then when I looked, and the most recent I use because of Clubhouse. I am in double digits use. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, don't ask me how much in double digits. I was shocked. And, and, and then I was like, wait a second. I know I use this for background streaming and sound and this and that and in different activities, but I didn't realize how much they translate on the average every week and every day. And, and that is also this new self-awareness that we sometimes don't register because yes. we as the boiling frag syndrome, right? Is let's get a temperature harder and hotter and hotter. Yeah. We just adopt, adjust, we're exactly. boiled over and it's over. Exactly, that's what is happening with the physicians. We are in the fifth gear, meeting after meeting and all that. What, what is the difference between them and me is before I go to a meeting, I take one minute break. When I'm eating, I sit down and eat, not in a hurried way enjoying what I'm eating, chewing slowly. It takes the same 10 minutes, yeah. just the process, you know? Yes, uh, what, do you, what do you say to yourself? I'm in stress and rush, I need to fire up. Or you're saying yourself, I'm just gonna enjoy. And that's so true. I inhaled something earlier too, because I was feeling I'm in rush, I will not have enough time. But did I really enjoy it? And did I really enjoy the taste, the texture, wow. and just uh, conscious awareness in that moment? I have to confess, not really, you know? And that's the thing that sometimes we regret. It's like, I'm missing on the small, simple things that I mean yeah. so much, not only for my own personal, but for my physical level, for, for everything exactly. else. So mindfulness in eating, breathing, working, talking, 
sleeping, all of these activities, right? Isabella, that word, I think it was misnomer, mindfulness. It is supposed to be awareness, not full of mind. That's what we don't want. We don't want uh, so much uh, thought uh, um, download. We don't want that. We want less of that. But what we want is awareness. Yeah, we yeah, don't want it too much in the head, but we want it more of self awareness. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. And, and I always say, say awareness, fullness. Don't say mindfulness because that is what we want to be aware, not too much mind. We already have a full mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> totally spot on because words are powerful and diagnoses or associations are very powerful. So we're getting more of it versus a less of it and more space and break. I love that. And one thing I noticed, Dr. Rao, that how connected because of studying for years and experimenting yeah. and doing analysis with, with the social and emotional intelligence exactly. and, and the needs for, and DNA of leaders, right? Who yes. is leading uh, organizations, who is leading the teams, who is leading the efforts of innovation, of change, or, or whatever might be, right? Not necessarily because people that have a title that have those skills, but I found how much of everything we just talked about has also to do with that emotional intelligence and then emotional capacity. Uh, how well aware we are with everything, and then how much of threshold we build up so that we can extend uh, like yourself to your colleagues in turmoil, your colleagues when it's a crisis and it needs to be done intervention, exactly. but without you operating from the crisis space, right? Yeah. And then social awareness, what's going on with them? Now, what I told my son, he asked me, what is the love of that? Then I said, giving complete affection to somebody without expecting anything in return. Mm. That is love. By giving, you are getting so much more that you have to experience yourself. Don't believe me. Do that in action with your friends, with your other people. Don't treat them like others. Like for example, that happens to me with each patient. When I go there, I'm here to serve the patient. I'm going to prostrate to the divinity within him. And what can I do to him? That becomes a prayer like before I open the door. Then I presented to him like a servant leader for his medical care, not for him. Then it makes the they confess so many things to me that they don't tell the nurse. And they express the gratitude because it is fully understandable, something they can do or something they can deal with. Or so they say, I got so much energy, I came here. Then when I uh, walked into the office, and that itself uh, is, I watch my ego, don't want to go too much on that, but you know, nice interaction. So there's no separate emotional intelligence I have to cultivate because I'm already considering him as part of me. Mm. No others, right? We're all equal. I, I give the love to my wife and kids and all of that that's there, but then I don't even have to tell them I love you if I show them in action. Mm, I love what you share there. We're seeing a lot of disconnect from words to action and more yeah. than ever right now as everybody's watching, not only presidents and politicians, but also other real leaders and organization. Yeah. And we're hearing all kinds of statements. We're already jaded. We already reach our threshold of how much we can take it on for things that are 
disconnected, that are toxic, that are not in alignment, that are not true or tolerance. Yeah. A lot of people are already on the edge and irritated with a reason because this is like, oh my God, it's more and more bullshit, right? Uh, but on the other hand, uh, we're, we're, we're also looking and seeking and, and, and it's beautiful opportunity to be called, help us to self-correct, uh, to strive for that greatness and to be the best versions we can be. And then also to really look at what are we not in alignment ourselves? Because yes. the true conscious people, person that is coming from heart and then really engaged. And when they know like, oh my God, I really didn't do that yet. And I'm not doing already for two, three days. Nuggets, right? Keeps coming back because nice. that's not something we like to do. And we want to demonstrate that we're people of our own words, that we can be trusted because more than ever, those factors are not only important to us, but they're important to other people. Exactly. So I love what you said, how it's important to demonstrate because that also helps minimize that stress in the background and pressure yes. and anxiety and, and, and uh, other stories stories that we tell ourselves subconsciously and consciously. So whatever we can to eliminate that, right? And strip yes. and make things easier, more balanced, more harmonious will be tremendous. So do you mind since we're getting on top of the hour here about our conversation on the Legacy Leader Show today, um, do you mind just sharing some actionable items or things at least, or even just a, if it's a quote or statement or something that you distilled over the years that really will help people to uh, be aware of or just something to always keep in mind so they can better self-regulate, self-manage and be able to have a much more stress-free, uh, fulfilled life despite of challenges. The first thing is be conscious whatever you're doing. Be conscious, be in awareness, be in presence, all of the same word, but be conscious. Don't do things unconsciously, don't think unconsciously, then you are in the present, you are living, you are in real life. Don't live in the past, don't project into the future, but live in the present. So you have to remember all the time, am I in the present or not? So I used to have it on my watch, am I in the present, A-I-P, am I in the present? That used to flash. Whenever that flashes, then you know you can come back to the present that becomes a habit because you are very attentive to whatever you are doing. That itself feeds you, you are in the flow. Today morning I was discussing about flow. They said, uh, I'm in the ninth store, they are in the first store, they could not understand, but I explained very carefully, but they are all projecting something in the future, discussing something. You have to be here now in the present. That's the first thing, am I conscious or not? Once you start there, then whatever you do, enjoy it and do it with complete attention. Eating, sit down and enjoy the food. Chew, taste it, smell it. Italians do that, you know, they take one and a half hour lunch break, they eat small piece of 20 items. No big servings, that's a wonderful practice. You know, sit down and enjoy, enjoy with people, uh, who you are spending time with, if you are completely with it, attention to every action, then that is fruitful. We are hurried, we are going to some goals and all. Next thing is, not all the doing, do it in a yes. constructive way. Be, do, have. And, yeah. and by being, doing, and having, yeah. that is where the cycle of everything. Yeah. That is such a beautiful reminder. Yeah. Doing versus being. I think the whole society is going, doing, 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 
towards what we don't question that that's the second thing you know and the third thing is what is the real purpose of human life do you want to eat to live or live to eat yes 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 i eat to live and 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 that concept took me i mean i was not, i was always in that mindset but i never understood when people were saying oh my god i can't just wait to eat again or whatever or you know and then i know for a lot of people food or different types of things uh, outlets for their comforts it's an outlet for the comfort right uh or, or whatever it might be, we, we find different ways for different pleasures, but it's more we're aware of what uh, what we habitually do. Yeah. Better self-discovery, right? Exactly. If you break the habit, then you are in the present. Yes. Otherwise, yes. you're habitual. Habitual, especially inside, is not good. That is so beautiful. Yeah. And then I told you about what you do before sleep and after sleep. What I do is I put my devices to sleep first, then 10 minutes later, I'll go to sleep. Mm. Don't take them to the bed. Okay. Don't wake them up before you wake up completely. And the other question I put up is if I wake up in the day, am I woken up from my 30 years of experience? Am I speaking from that? Or am I seeing Isabella for what she is now? Mm. I may have an image about her from the past. Am I relating to that image or to Isabella right now? This happens with the patients quite a bit. They come, sometimes they get upset with our whatever in the office, right? And then they kind of uh, take it out on the nurse or abuse them and go. And we have bad taste about the patient because he's not fitting the politically correct etiquette. Then Next time he comes, I cannot carry that prejudice against him. He might be regretting. He might have forgotten. He has in pain probably. That's why he came to me for help. I cannot bring that prejudice. That is what don't bring all the past knowledge of people, especially relationships, husband and wife, son, yeah. other, everybody. Don't bring that in. First let the love come and then other, you can tell them nicely about things. And then that will be resolved. That's fantastic. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing. And, and I also, I wanted to thank you for your time. I know you have so much of wisdom and knowledge and I'm excited to hear how you're gonna format that in a great future book and your future writing. Um, I'm gonna make I'm sure that people- trying to be a chief wellness officer so that I can do these things in a major setting and then in that capacity, I can spread better. I can do studies. I can do big data thing. I can extract a lot of things. That's why I want to be that. A lot of people want me to establish a company and do that. I don't want to think in the commercial sense, but I would do it as a company if it reaches a lot of people. What happened to me was I was kind of private. All this, this clubhouse brought me out. Otherwise, all my friends and all my uh, you know people, they are getting... Uh, consultation from me. I do everything just out of heart, no business. You know, that's another thing too. These spiritual matters, you cannot commercialize. You know, that is another thing America is doing wrong thing is things that have to be given freely, like a kindness, like a compassion, like a um, daily routines and all that. 
why do you have to put more people in between and make them make money on these people suffering? So that's kind of I'm, uh, what I want to raise, promote the wellness, protect the planet, and leave a legacy of we work it for the planet and we work it for the wellness. You just took a word from a sentence for a question that I had. Usually I always ask, what would you like to have to be your legacy? And remember for, because obviously you already made a lot of tremendous impact and you just answered. So your legacy, you would like to uh, figure out ways that we can help everyone, right? And then create a harmony with everybody. And so the people are... Um, being not only served, but also helped and, and supported and, and as a result, exactly. Ob obtaining harmony with, with, with themselves and everybody out, out, on around. And hopefully we'll solve with that all of the crises and all the problems and the wars and, and everything else that I'm trying to solve. So that is kind of yin and yang, right? Going hand in hand. We no, need this was expressed uh, Isabella. They said the only revolution we need is revolution in our consciousness. Yes. Then everything will flow from it. Excellent. So I had it and in my own personal uh, health also affected. Then I used this ancient wisdom. Now I'm not on any medications, but I don't uh, prepare or sneak oil, bring it to people. This is kind of re-education ourselves. I want to bring in the modern medicine and the wisdom of ancients from all countries. That's so that beautiful. We can prevent, prevent and promote wellness so that we don't take so many resources from the planet so that we can regenerate the planet for our kids. That's all I'm trying to do. Beautiful, that is great legacy and you're already doing that. And of course, with more awareness, people will be seeking that more and more and opportunities to, as sure. we are going back in touch and leveraging that. So I wanted to thank you for giving us chance and opportunity to be today with us and share oh, some I enjoyed rich, it. You know, rich conversation. And I just wanted to wish you all the best and this is to be continued, Dr. Rao. We'll definitely have a more sessions and opportunities to interact. Anytime, anytime. I love the way you do the, um, you know, moderating, and I love the way you do uh, do everything, uh, like giving chance to people, and then getting into a discussion, not just uh, turning, but you express yourself. That's I love it. You know. Thank you. That's what's all about. We can learn for all from each other, and it's all about inclusiveness, right? Sure, sure, yeah. You know, they said something about the compassion. Somebody said, "I want to be very compassionate." Then the sage said, "What do you think you are?" He's also God. The God is there in them. So go and serve him. Don't say you are helping him. Yes. That <laughs> but is so put true. me down. Then I say, okay, this is the way we should be. We don't put on the pedestal and say, I'm going to help them. Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.